Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Russian President Vladimir Putin called the U.S. dollar's drop in dominance, quote, objective and irreversible during the recent BRICS summit in South Africa as Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa formally agreed to use local currencies instead of the U.S. dollar. It's the first shoe to drop. As demand for the dollar weakens, the buying power of the dollar also weakens. That's why Birch Gold Group is busier than ever. Investors and savers are looking to harness the power of physical gold held in a tax-sheltered IRA. Text Monica to 989-898 for your free info kit on gold. Thousands of happy customers, an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, and countless five-star reviews, you can count on Birch Gold to help you navigate transitioning an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. As the U.S. dollar continues to receive pressure from foreign countries, digital currency, and central banks, arm yourself with information on how to protect your savings. Just text MONICA to 989-898 to claim your free info kit from Birch Gold Group right now. Hey guys, I'm Monica Crowley, and this is the Monica Crowley Podcast. Thank you so much for being with me on this Friday. We have survived yet another week in Biden's America. Congratulations. This is your go-to for hot liberty, a safe space for all of us thought criminals, independent thinkers, and happy warriors. Please follow me on social media, on Instagram at Monica Crowley underscore, and on Twitter and Truth Social at Monica Crowley. You can also send me an email about this show to Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com. That's Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com. And we will have an email segment at the end of the show. So stay tuned for that. Well, today I want to deal with many of the aspects of the horrific school shooting in Texas earlier this week. I've got a lot I want to say about it particularly about the bigger, more profound issues it raises about where we are as a society and how close we really are to societal collapse. It's a lot closer than you think. So I want to deal with that. And I realize this is a complicated story with a lot of different moving parts. We're not going to cover all of the moving parts here, but I do want to touch on a lot of the important ones or the ones that that people really are either afraid to talk about or just not talking about at all. Also, today we're going to talk with Jason Miller. Jason is my good friend. He is the CEO of Getter and a former top aide to President Trump. We'll talk to him about the social media wars, Elon Musk, and what 2022 and 2024 look like, including a potential run by Donald Trump. All of that straight up. But first, the Monica Memo. 
So we all saw that uh, absolutely staggeringly horrific shooting take place in a Texas elementary school earlier this week. 19 children dead, two adults And actually, if you include the death that we saw yesterday, it's three adults. That was a particularly heartbreaking story of the husband of a woman. She was a teacher in the school. She was shot and killed, and her husband died of a heart attack yesterday. And people are saying he died of a broken heart, which is likely true. So, I mean, four children, they're left without either a mother or a father as a result of this crime. Uh, Just unbelievable. The shooter was killed by a squad of Border Patrol agents who happened to be working nearby. Thank goodness that they were on the scene because the police did not act the way we would expect law enforcement to act We're going to get to that too. We're going to break a lot of this down. So obviously, this uh, crime is a deep tragedy for the victims, their families, that community of decent, hardworking people, and for the country at large. So I just ask that you keep all of them in your prayers. And we often do that when the crime first happens and we're horrified by it, and then we kind of lose sight of it and get back into our lives. But there is a community in a world of hurt here, and these families losing children is just beyond belief. So please keep them in your prayers. Murdering children is a singular evil. Yes, I use the word evil. I hope that this... SOB is rotting in hell right now. I really do. But we've got to have a conversation in this country about evil. You know, you, you hear from the other side all the time. We've got to have a conversation about race. We've got to have a conversation about gender. We've got to have a conversation about X, Y, and Z. But nobody ever wants to have that conversation about evil. Evil exists And acknowledging that should inform everything we talk about when we discuss revolting crimes like this. It's real, and it's on the march. You also cannot legislate away evil. It's part of the world, and it's it's operating on a different level. So you can't legislate it away. This is a crisis of the soul, not a crisis of policy. Let me say that again. This is a crisis of the soul, not a crisis of policy. This is a spiritual battle of good versus evil. It's a battle for the soul of all of us, of individuals, but it's also a battle of the soul for the nation. It's a battle of light versus darkness. A lot of people now are talking about how broken our country is, and I don't disagree, but the brokenness comes from a spiritual bankruptcy, a removal of faith, a removal of God. It's out of the public square. Prayer was removed from our schools. We need a spiritual renewal in this country, a spiritual restoration If we're going to have any hope of bringing this country back, that's number one. God is always number one or should be. Number two is leadership. That night uh, after this crime happened, the White House announced that the president was going to be speaking to the nation 
And I thought, okay, you know, I'm willing, I'm always willing to keep an open mind, even though I'm serially disappointed by this president and his team, but, and horrified and outraged. But on this one, I thought, okay, this is such a tear at our hearts that let's just wait a minute. Let's see what he's got. Any president has many jobs. One of them is to comfort victims and families, the community, the nation, when something like this happens. Unite us in our grief, offer somber reflection and prayer, uplift the nation in a dark moment. I always think about the explosion of the Challenger and President Reagan's absolutely beautiful speech, which was written by Peggy Noonan. I mean, that speech was just one of the most incredible things that I'd ever heard. But that's a president's job. When something like this happens that really uh, shatters uh, families and a community, our fellow Americans, but also has the nation's attention, the president is supposed to step up and uplift the nation in a dark moment. Most presidents do this pretty well. Did Biden do this? He did not. Instead, he reached for those tired, old, tedious, left-wing talking points about guns and gun control. He just spewed leftist pablum when he should have been bringing us together. It was a grotesque display of partisanship, completely inappropriate and gross. The politics that night could wait. But no, Biden was out there talking about gun control while the children's bodies were still on the ground and there were children who were still missing. Parents frantically trying to find their kids, and he's out there yammering about gun control. But this is who he is. Joe Biden has always been a hack. It's one thing to be a hack when you're in the U.S. Senate and you're one of 100. You can hide behind the 99 others, right? But it's another thing to be a hack when you're president of the United States, He is not up to this job for a lot of reasons, as we know. But that night, man, that was catastrophically disappointing and left a a giant hole in the whole country. Since Biden and the left injected policy into this, let's talk about that. To be clear, this criminal passed a background check. So what will more background checks do, which is what they're talking about now? Nothing. But there is a human impulse to want to do something when something this bad happens, because we all struggle to make sense of how could bad things happen to good people. This gets back to my original point about the spiritual nature of this war. This is a spiritual battle. And so everybody runs around trying to make sense of it. How could God allow this to happen? These are big existential questions. I understand that. But now when you apply that human impulse to want to do something, and that's totally understandable, when you apply that to politics, now you got politicians running around saying, we got to do something, look like we're busy, justify our time in office to our constituents. So that's where we are. And now we've got perhaps a bipartisan coalition now talking about making more background checks and they're guessing around about a lot of different things. But this guy, this criminal, passed a background check. So more background checks, not going to do much, right? He also violated multiple gun laws. 
So the idea that more gun laws would have prevented this is absurd. And the implication that those who oppose such laws, like me, probably you, are somehow in favor of mass shootings is disgusting. But the left is all over the place, smearing us to no end, like they usually do. None of the gun control policies that the left always tosses out there would stop this kind of evil mass shooting or the one we saw in Buffalo or the ones that we've seen across the country. None of them. The American people understand the nature of evil, even if nobody really wants to talk about it. And they understand that you're always going to have evil people doing really bad things to other people. Life ain't fair. And there it is. And they also understand that there are lunatics, crazy people out there who are going to do bad things. And terrorists. I mean, evil exists. And like I said, it's, it's astride the world. So the American people understand, look, you can do your best to try to mitigate some of these things, but you're never going to prevent it. You just won't. If you go back to the Bible, Cain and Abel, the first murder, yeah. Sadly, that's the nature of humanity, and that's the history of humanity. There's a new Rasmussen poll that was released earlier this week, I think on the day or the day after the shooting. The poll was taken after the Buffalo grocery store shooting the week before, but before this shooting. And it found 61% of Americans say it is not possible to completely prevent mass shootings. 61%. That is correct. You just, you can't. And if you want to live in a free society, there's a lot of risk that goes along with that. Now, when it comes to schools, the answer was and is to provide significant security upgrades to every school. We've been talking about this for a long time, but there's been no movement. Congress is always like, oh, that's going to be super expensive. So, well, Congress just approved a total this year so far of $58 billion to Ukraine. They find the money for their priorities, always. Every bill that has any kind of money attached to it has got earmarks out the wazoo for them so that they can get reelected and stay in power. They always find the money for themselves and for what they prioritize. I think our kids' safety should be a priority. So find the money. And in fact, you know what? And this is really going to fry you. They already have the money. Schools, communities, states, they already have the money. Why? Because both the Trump administration and the Biden administration under the COVID relief bills sent billions of dollars to schools across the country for COVID-related expenses, right? Hand sanitizer, um, all kinds of fumigation stuff, all kinds of things so that schools could safely reopen. And then the teachers unions got involved and wanted the schools shut longer, and the kids continue to be masked in some areas. The whole thing is insane. But billions of dollars went to school systems, communities, and states designated for schools. And and they could use the money for, yes, COVID expenses, but also for other things. So there are billions of dollars sitting there unused. Take it and harden these schools These targets need to be safer and more secure. Also, armed security guards 
And yes, the answer to a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun, as we saw with these Border Patrol guys. And we're going to get into the how the police responded in the next segment. But the left likes to make fun of that. Oh, the answer to a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. Yes, yes, that is exactly right. Also, single points of entry into schools so that the doors around the school are not wide open. Remember when we were growing up, the doors were wide open all the time. Beautiful spring day, the door in the back of the school that led into the softball field, wide open. Well, now a lot of schools keep those doors from the outside locked. So you can exit, but no one can get in. You need to make that a priority. Training your staff, mental health services. Guys, this is another thing like evil. Nobody wants to talk about because it's considered impolite. Nobody wants to say, hey, this kid is a loon. And I understand that if it's not your kid, you know, I don't want to get involved. People are afraid to intervene. But we've got to get the mentally ill care and try to try to head off these tragedies before they start. If you look at all of these kids that shoot up schools, they all look nuts. I know that's impolitic, but I got to say it. They got the crazy eyes. They look insane. And, and in this kid's case and most kids' cases, they've got a bad family life. It's a mess. The kid is, has all kinds of psychological problems. Usually in their past, they have hurt animals, which is also unconscionable. But there are red flags everywhere. And they're talking about, well, we need harsher red flag laws for gun ownership, Well, what about the red flags leading up to the actual crime? Nobody's paying attention to that. The the kid is nuts, obviously looks like a loon. Nobody wants to intervene. Well, we got to get over that. And I see now there's some conversation uh, bubbling up about bringing back insane asylums where you take the mentally ill and you put them in one place where they can be watched, monitored, and cared for. Maybe that's a conversation we should have too. The left was, oh, well, we can't marginalize them. We can't isolate them this way. Violation of their civil rights. Well, you know whose civil rights were violated here? The families of all of these people shot dead by this maniac. By the way, have you also noticed that the same people calling for us to ban guns and rely on the police instead are the ones who are calling for defunding the police and insist on keeping the border wide open, allowing this tidal wave of illegal guns to come into the country. Okay, so see, it's not about the guns for them. If they cared about COVID and they cared about uh, the flow of illegal drugs and the flow of illegal guns, they would shut down the border, but they don't. They don't on any front. So when they say this, understand where it's coming from. It's not about the the COVID and it's not about the guns for them. It's only and always about power and control, period. Period. All right, let's hit a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about how this opens up a conversation about the breakdown of society. And and this is a really important conversation to have because civilized society is hanging by a thread. And events like this just bring that to the surface. It's terrifying, but we need to talk about it. And I also want to get into Barack Obama and his response, which was a complete disgrace. I'm Monica Crowley, back in a flash. Okay, everybody, listen up. 
We all want to be healthier, right? Well, to get there, we have to have a healthier diet, which is not always easy to do. I can attest to that. You know, that shredded lettuce in a double-double and the fruit filling in a donut are amazing, but they do not count toward the recommended five servings of fruits and vegetables a day. Sorry to be the one to break it to you, but they don't. I don't always eat healthy either, but I will share that the Mayo Clinic says if you want to help prevent heart disease, lower blood pressure, and cholesterol, eat five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. I don't, and you probably won't. That's why I take Field of Greens. Unlike other supplements, each fruit and each vegetable in Field of Greens was medically selected by doctors to support your vital organs, like the heart, lungs, kidneys, and the immune system. Flu season is here, and I trust Field of Greens to help me stay healthy. Field of Greens works fast and tastes so good. It's really delicious, guys, and you'll feel better with more energy and you'll notice your skin, hair, and nails will look healthier too. I certainly noticed that in me since I started taking Field of Greens. If you don't always eat right and exercise, join me and take Field of Greens. Let me get you started with 15% off your first order. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code MONICA. That's promo code MONICA at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. All right, we are back. Um, You know, when these kinds of things happen, like this shooting of the Texas Elementary School, the left immediately rushes to blame us. It's either white supremacy or because we refuse to give up our guns and disarm in the face of their tyranny, by the way. First of all, they're always blaming us for everything anyway when it's all their fault. Everything wrong in this country stems from the left. Everything. They want gun confiscation. But gun confiscation is not going to fix the crippling mental health crisis in this country, which we witness every day in our cities and on social media. All you have to do is go on Twitter to Libs of TikTok, that account that they tried to destroy. Washington Post tried to destroy this account, which is, it was an anonymous account, still up there. And all it does is take... Uh, TikTok videos of lunatics on the left, pure mutants, and just reposts it on Twitter to give it a bigger audience. That's all that account does. They tried to destroy it. The people on that, uh, on libs of TikTok, those mutants are literally insane. I mean, we're talking about mental illness to the nth degree. So we do have a mental health crisis in this country. But gun confiscation is not going to fix that, and it's not going to fix the social alienation of our young people, which has been going on a long time and is more acute than ever because of the COVID restrictions. Do you know that this is the second mass gunman, the first one being the uh, the grocery store shooter in Buffalo? This is the second one in the space of a week or a week and a half, to have cited COVID lockdowns and COVID restrictions as a reason that they, they were pushed over the edge. So all of this, the social alienation 
And then you add the COVID lockdowns on top of it. They can't go to school. They can't see their friends. They're being masked when they are allowed to go back out. The abuse of children in this country, especially over the last two and a half years, has been insane and unconscionable. Gun confiscation is not going to fix that. It's also not going to fix the confusion of kids encouraged by the left and the crazy adults all around them. And it's also not going to fix the decline of individual meaning and purpose. This is what I mean, that this is a crisis of the soul. The left is always blaming us, but they control all of the levers. The media, entertainment, academia. And they have been the ones to constantly feed poison to our kids. Constantly battering their minds and driving them into confusion and despair. Them, they are the virus. They are the poison. They are the root of everything wrong in this country, especially the stuff that's affecting kids and giving rise to this kind of violence. We're dealing with the logical result of a systemic breakdown of the usual guardrails of society. The signals that kids pick up are incredibly important, vital to how they develop and what kind of people and citizens they are going to be. And as a society, we have been sending them all of the wrong signals, especially young boys. So it's no wonder they're in crisis. This is a society-wide problem, but the left has really taken the lead in destroying our kids by indoctrinating them and radicalizing them. And by the way, not just politically, but through alienation of all kinds. Look at the trans movement. They want to indoctrinate the baby coming out of the womb, basically. I mean, if they allow the baby to come out of the womb and don't kill it. From that moment on, they are radicalizing these kids. And with the whole trans thing, they, they're now, their argument I mean, forget about Florida, which was what, uh, second grade through fifth grade or something, that law. They want children, literally babies, being talked about, about sex and gender. They're doing it all on purpose. This is about the destruction of the nuclear family, of course, which is also the root of all of this. And the root of that is the spiritual battle, the spiritual breakdown, the removal of God. So it's got all these layers, but at root is you remove God, everything else falls apart. But this alienation, they want to talk to your kids about sex as soon as it's a baby. Again, assuming they allow the baby to live. This alienation of all kinds is what's feeding into this. We have got to gain control of the culture if we're going to turn this around and save future generations. But it's a really heavy lift and a long-term project because the left has been so good and so effective at grabbing control of this for decades. They are deeply entrenched. So th- this, is, this is a long-term project for all of us here. Speaking of the breakdown of society, reports are that the police on the scene at the school allowed the gunmen to stay barricaded in the classroom for 40 minutes the reports are, and it's it, it, more and more details are coming in, 
but there are conflicting reports. And that sheriff down there and others in law enforcement, they have been covering up these facts. They do not want you to know the truth. And I think, by the way, there's a lot more to this story that will eventually come out. Because as I, as I constantly say, whether it's with regard to the Russia hoax, the Sussman trial, what, whatever it might be, secrets can stay secret for quite a while. Decades, hundreds of years maybe, but eventually the secrets are exposed. And in this case, I think maybe sooner rather than later, we're going to understand what really happened here. But apparently the police engaged the gunman initially, And then they took fire and retreated. And at that point, then, they refused to engage and stop him. It took a squad of elite Border Patrol agents to engage and kill him, and thank God that they were there and stepped up. But at the same time, while the regular law enforcement were, they were milling around, the the kid was shooting up the parking lot. He was outside the school at first, shooting for 12 minutes. And the first 911 call came in at 11.30 a.m. local time. And by 11.40, there were police on the scene. The kid had been shooting up the place for 12 minutes and then went into the school. The cops started to engage. They got shot at. And so they, they fell back and refused to engage. After that point, they were calling for backup, which took a hell of a long time, about an hour and the, the whole thing was like an hour and 15 minutes. Most mass shootings are 10 minutes or less where you've got a high body count. You're talking about an elementary school with children who are sitting ducks. So at the same time that the law enforcement fell back while they were waiting on their backup, you had parents arriving on the scene hysterical about the fate of their children. While the maniac was in there shooting at their children, these parents were not allowed in the building. I mean, obviously, but the police weren't going in either. And you had parents begging law enforcement to please go in and save their children. That video is beyond heartbreaking. And at the same time, there were reports that there was one mother who was put in handcuffs She was hysterical. She wanted to run in the school and try to save her kid. She was put in handcuffs, and a father was put on the ground. He wanted to run in and save his child, and the police put him on the ground. So let's get this straight. They wouldn't move against the gunmen, but they had no problem moving against the hysterical parents. What is going on? This also happened with the Parkland uh, school shooting and some other shootings where police refused to move against the gunmen. Are they not sworn to serve and protect? What's happening? American society is hanging by a thread. If law enforcement officers will not protect the communities that they swore to serve, then we are facing an implosion into violent anarchy, a total breakdown of civilization, which is already a hair away from collapse. You know, I think back to Hurricane Sandy, Superstorm Sandy, which happened in 2012, and it came barreling up the East Coast and hit New York City, parts of Long Island, in a really bad way. 
And I remember getting a text from a friend of mine who lived on Long Island, an area that got hit very badly. It was flooded. Uh, power lines were down. Nobody could really move out there. And literally by day two or day three, it was Lord of the Flies out there. And I mean it, Lord of the Flies. Like she was texting me desperately, can you please have someone bring us gasoline Nobody can get gas. Nobody can travel. The roads are all flooded. We can't eat. There's no food. We can't get out. People's homes were flooded all the way up to their attic. My friend and her family ran upstairs to their attic because the water was coming in the ground floor. We are like one or two steps away from a total breakdown of society. It's ha- like I said, it's hanging by a thread. So if you have the disintegration of law and order, then you truly have mayhem. You got a breakdown of the social compact, which keeps society going in an orderly and moral way. Truth, justice, and the American way. Remember that? Well, we no longer have truth. We no longer have justice. And the American way is going out the window. Without the social compact, you do not have a country. You have a war zone, which is exactly their plan. So pray and remember that this is a crisis of the soul, not a crisis of policy. And that brings us to President Obama, who uh, never fails to disappoint in terms of dividing all of us and in terms of uh, putting his nose now where it doesn't belong, all in service of the Marxist revolution, of course. So he put out a tweet basically saying, it really sucks about all those dead kids, but let's take a moment to remember George Floyd and the social justice activism that his death gave rise to. I'm paraphrasing here, but this is what he put out. Barack Obama is a disgrace, This is truly vile that he put this out there. That was the day, the second year anniversary of George Floyd's death. So that's why he wanted to call attention back to it. So he stood on the bodies of dead children. When these leftists tell you who they are, believe them. And believe them the first time. George Floyd did not deserve to die that way. But come on. He was a career criminal tripping on fentanyl that day. And the idea of comparing him to 19 innocent children shot dead at school is revolting. And Obama knows it. He just doesn't care. It's all about keeping the Marxist revolution going, period. This is all, you know, when he puts out his tweet, trying to remind everybody about George Floyd, It's meant to inflame everybody, whip them up, getting them back into the streets and dividing everybody else to keep the revolution going. All right, we're going to talk to Jason Miller on the other side of this break. But before we hit the break, I want to take a moment to welcome a new sponsor, Birch Gold. You heard me talk about the weakening economy and skyrocketing inflation, which will get worse before it will get better. We got a couple of really bad economic reports recently, and like I said, it's getting darker uh, before it's going to get better. Have you considered what could happen in the stock market if our economy stalls out? Don't wait for that to happen. Hedge against it with gold from Birch Gold. Throughout history, gold has maintained its value better than any other investment in the world. So reach out to Birch Gold today. 
Text MONICA to 989-898 for a free zero-obligation info kit on holding gold in a tax-sheltered retirement account. Again, text MONICA to 989-898 and secure the gains that you have made while you still can. Birch Gold, please. Text MONICA to 989-898 and talk to them about how you can secure your future and your family's future. We'll be right back. Well, I'm so happy to welcome my good friend, Jason Miller. Jason is the CEO of social media platform Getter, which has really taken off. He's also a former top aide to President Trump, and he joins me now. Hi, Jason. Monica, so great to be with you. Oh, it's great to have you here, Jason. And I I know that you wear two hats. You've got the tech CEO hat, you've got the political hat. I'm going to ask you to wear both hats in our conversation (laughs) today. But I do want to start with tech, because you are the CEO of Getter, which came on the scene not that long ago, and it's just taken off. Tell us about it. Yeah, so this is really the fun thing where Getter, where we are with social media, is right at that convergence of what's hot politically, but also what's hot with the economy. As we talk about the digital economy and social media and where everything goes from here, especially coming out of COVID and so much of the world being connected online. And it, especially as we talk about kind of the, the growth areas in the economy. But Getter launched last July, July of 2021, as uh, the the basis of it was we wanted to have a platform where people could express themselves and have free speech without the fear of cancel culture. And that means that making sure that nobody's political opinion is ever silenced or shadow banned or algorithmed out of existence. And what we have found is this great desire and interest to have free speech, not just in the U.S., but around the world. We're already up to five and a half million users, half in the U.S., half internationally. And one of the big things when we launched that I didn't realize is just how much the free speech issue is a problem outside the U.S. as it is inside the U.S. Yeah, you know, on that international point, I see, because I follow you on Getter and elsewhere, and I see that you're traveling the world. You've been in Brazil. You've been in Europe. So Getter is growing internationally as well. So this free speech issue isn't just limited to the United States, right? I mean, this is happening across the Western world. It is. And it's interesting because in the U.S., much of the anger and frustration is very much toward big tech. Uh, I I think it's safe to say that Jack Dorsey or Mark Zuckerberg couldn't even get elected dog catcher if they tried to run something, whether it's be as a Democrat or Republican. Much of the challenge outside the U.S., though, is with overreaching and uh, really aggressive governments. You look at the what the EU has already passed to take effect this next January, where they're going to step in and start to effectively pay play social media uh, moderators themselves. The UK is currently debating something uh, in Parliament, and then in Brazil, it's much more of their Supreme Court, which um, uh, short uh, short kind of version of this, but a Supreme Court justice in Brazil is not like here, where it's just Sonia Sotomayor. Um, or uh, John Roberts sitting there in a robe. It's also basically with the investigative and prosecutorial powers they say a Merrick Garland or Christopher Ray have. And so it's uh, Brazil's kind of its own unique world. But regardless of whether or not it's big tech 
or if it's these aggressive governments, the fact of the matter is they're coming for our free speech rights. And Monica, as soon as we lose this, then we become an authoritarian state like China or Russia. Yes, which of course is the left's objective. They are literally at war. We talk about this on this podcast all the time. This on the international level is the global predators like uh, the World Economic Forum, the CCP, the World Health Organization. But it's happening across the West and here at home. That's exactly what the assault is all about. And they're after the First Amendment, they're after the Second Amendment, they're after all of our range of freedoms, and it's really quite terrifying, which makes a platform like Getter even more indispensable. So Jason, how are you guys planning to take on big tech? I mean, you're, you're up and running for about a year, you're growing extraordinarily well, but big tech is still big tech. They still have a lock on a lot of different aspects, not just on free speech, but how we communicate in general. So how are you guys planning to take them on? So we're really guided by a North Star here to which making sure that people are never being discriminated against because of their political beliefs. And it doesn't matter if they're coming from the left, from the right, or quite frankly, if they're someone who doesn't even care that much about politics. They just, maybe they come from a different background, but they found themselves increasingly being turned off by what they're seeing from big tech. And so every decision that we make at the company, from whether it be moderation standards, whether it be to uh, security aspects, from the type of uh, types of big names that we're uh, recruiting to join the platform, it's always about how do we support free speech and oppose cancel culture. Uh, that doesn't mean that there are no uh, aspects of moderation at all. Obviously, we want to keep this a safe platform, make sure that there are no physical threats being made, there's no doxing or racial religious epithets, those types of things. And I think that we have found uh, uh, the sweet spot on the bat to where we can protect free speech, make sure no one's ever discriminated against politically, but then also keep it a safe environment. And what you see really quick is that the Twitters and the Facebooks and even the YouTubes of the world, how much of their policies were really dictated by who they liked ideologically. Yes, I know. And it's been a horror show. And I've got to now ask you, because this is the perfect segue, Jason, I've got to ask you about Elon Musk, because his his proposed deal with Twitter, it remains in flux, things are very fluid. But one of the great services that Elon Musk has performed here, whether or not he acquires Twitter, is that he's exposed not just Twitter, but I think big tech by and large about their political and ideological agenda, about their crushing of free speech, and about the manipulations that they do, not just algorithmically, but in terms of fake accounts and bots and everything. So, I mean, he has actually done you, at Getter, a huge favor because he's exposed all of the shenanigans that big tech has been doing in crushing uh, the First Amendment and preventing us from from really freely communicating with each other on these platforms. Well, you're exactly right. And there's effectively been hundreds of millions of dollars of negative attention that have been trained toward not just Twitter, but all big tech over the past couple of months. I guess it's one of those, uh, in order to save them, we have to destroy them type of things. Um, I, I kind of joke that I'm not sure what's going to be left of Twitter should Elon Musk actually get his, his hands around it. 
knowing how many bots there are, knowing the types of policies and the uh, the political discrimination that happens. I've very much likened it to uh, the Russians deciding they're going to set up a beach club in Mariupol after they're done raising the city. Uh, I mean, there's just there's not much left of Twitter other than rubble. Um, but the you know the the future of the the digital town square is vitally important, and I think that everyone should be supportive of what Musk is trying to do, which is try to bring more aspects of free speech uh, to Twitter. My question is number one, I or questions. I don't see how this deal ultimately comes together. I think that the the terms are just too far apart, even with the uh, the revitalized move going with more of an equity play as opposed to a, a margin loan play that he just introduced. But then. Secondly, I don't think fundamentally Twitter can be saved. I, I think that just the culture there, uh, the employees, uh, the perspective that they have, I don't think they're ever going to go along with uh, opening up and making it truly a free speech platform. Well, that, that may be, and we'll see what it, it comes to pass here. But my question to you is, you know, with, with Getter and there are others out there, Parler, Truth Social, and so on, a lot of us fellow conservatives, Republicans, independents, disaffected Democrats, America Firsters, a lot of us got so fed up with Twitter that we left Twitter. Um, and I wonder if Elon Musk's deal does in fact go through, what does that do to a platform like Getter? Does it make Twitter more attractive for us conservatives to go back and use that to the exclusion of other platforms? Yeah, great question. And I always tell people, uh, if you're someone who wants to get your message out, then you should go whatever platform you feel uh, makes the most sense for you. And that doesn't mean I'm never someone who tells people to go and uh, disconnect or turn off your accounts on other platforms. I think that ultimately, if we're making Getter a good destination, you're going to want to do it on your own. I know I'm certainly there. That's uh, that's where I want to be. That's where I enjoy interacting with people. I see far more engagement and in, in people who are interesting to interact with both here in the U.S. and around the world. But here's the, the big thing when it comes to Musk and Twitter and the reforms. I think the true litmus test on this is whether or not they offer President Trump his account back. Not the promise of, well, we might look at it, not saying that it was wrongly decided, but they could literally come out today and say, President Trump, you're allowed to come back on. And I I don't see Twitter ever doing that, even with Musk. If you take a look at his comments uh, to the the FT uh, for that interview a couple of weeks ago where he made all the news, what it was pretty clear was that he was upset that so many uh, millions of Trump supporters have left Twitter. And that's making it more difficult for them to increase their daily active user total. And at the end of the interview, Musk, Musk said, well, and President Trump is on his own platform, True Social, and said he's not coming back to Twitter. So it's effectively a moot point. So I think he had a little bit of the, uh, the liquid courage there of, of uh, kind of flexing and saying, oh, you know, of course, it was wrongly decided because in his mind, Trump's not coming back. But that, my friends, will be where we know. Uh, if Twitter is truly making a change, if they offer Trump his, plot, his uh, account back. That's very interesting, Jason. And I, I think I've got a theory about this, that if they offer him his account back, um, I know the president has said, no, he's going to stick to his own truth social. But I have a feeling the siren call of Twitter might be too strong for our friend, the president. And I think he um, I, I think what he might do is post on truth social and then post elsewhere, maybe on Getter, maybe on Twitter, but that the initial post will go up on truth and then he will repost on these other platforms. What does the president's platform, truth social, what does that do to Getter? I know you're very close to the president top aide for for many years. So there is some sort of, uh, you know, there's competition, which I think is healthy, but what does it do to your platform? 
Yeah, there's there's competition, but there also there are key distinctions between the platforms. And very Getter, we very much bill ourselves as the all-in-one free speech platform. So of course we have the the microblogging, the timeline post. Um, we've now have the live streams, which are up and going, and we've now passed over 120 million live stream views since we started doing that last October. Every day we're effectively progr- programming out every hour on the hour different shows that are happening. Sometimes there are multiple shows in a given hour. It can have uh, not an infinite amount, but you could have dozens potentially of uh, live streams going on at any given point. But we have unique original content almost 24 hours a day, which makes us essentially then a destination point. The point where people want to come and whether they want to see Steve Bannon's War Room, if they want to see Charlie Kirk, if they want to see um, uh, friends like like Majid Nawaz or uh, Tommy Robinson or Matt Letizia from the UK, um, uh, people like Papacito in France, uh, President Bolsonaro in Brazil. So all around the world, we have this content. But the other thing, Monica, that we launched next week will be Vision. So within the Getter platform, it'll be our short video competitor to TikTok and Instagram Reels. Quite frankly, I'm surprised Musk has hasn't been talking about this because if you look at the numbers, and I spent a lot of time looking at the numbers in the market research, anyone under the age of 30 is all about the short video clips, uh, whether it's TikTok, Instagram Reels, and now Vision. This is how we're going to help tap into this younger audience and diversify our user base uh, even more. So when our beta version of that expands out to all platform users next week, you're really going to see the short video explosion with Getter. We're pretty excited about it. Oh, that is fantastic. Yep, that's the future. And you got to give TikTok a real run for their money here because they're owned by the Chinese. So uh, if you can expand yeah, that that kind of access, that kind of micro video uh, stuff, that is just phenomenal, Jason. Well, you know what? The left mocked us and told us, go build your own social media platform platforms. So we did. Congratulations. Getter is amazing. All right. Before I let you go, Jason Miller, a couple of quick questions about politics. How are we looking heading into November? Heading into November, uh, we're looking very good. I imagine, you know, the the traditional average for midterms is somewhere around 30 seats. Uh, I feel pretty confident that we're at least at that mark with regard to the House. Uh, Senate, I feel pretty good about us getting to the 51 or 52. I'm currently tracking uh, for us to get 52. So it'd be a 52-48. So that'd be a two-seat, uh, net two-seat pickup. Uh, so I, I feel good about getting back in control. And then then we're on to 2024. And I, I still at this point believe President Trump does run. Uh, and um, I, I think that uh, this will be, hopefully we get the, the Trump-Biden rematch and all the polling is showing that President Trump beats Joe Biden right now. And uh, Monica, I know that you're a, uh, someone who's very much an expert in, in foreign affairs, but we saw Joe Biden do this week in uh, Japan with his statements that he would defend Taiwan. And then immediately they start backtracking on it. Not only does that make the people of Taiwan get nervous, it makes our allies like Japan get nervous and say, wait a minute, we can't even last a couple hours without Joe Biden making some darn sense, then what What good is it to be partnered with the Americans? Yeah, you know, I've been saying publicly, Jason, that, it, you know, the man is senile. He is totally incapable of this job. It's one thing when he makes a hash of domestic issues when he's here on American soil. It's another thing completely when he makes a hash of things while he's abroad. And he's talking about issues of life and death and war and peace. Uh, so we hope that we can survive the next couple of years with him. I'm not sure he's going to make it through the end of his term, but we'll see. You know, President Trump has an incredible 
a stunning record of winning endorsements uh, this go-around heading into the midterm. So I, it's still his party. I agree with you. I think he is going to run again for president. And if he does, Jason, he's going to have a mountain of chits to collect with all of these endorsements. He's building a, quite a big political army. Uh, he definitely is. And uh, this is something where it's, it's unique. I've never seen anything like this uh, in our lifetime. Uh, obviously, he's the first um, one-term presidency since George H.W. Bush. And H.W., of course, was at a different stage of life, and he kind of rode off into the sunset. Um, obviously, you'd have to uh, go quite a ways back to where he had a, a one-term uh, president. But, uh, you know, this is – I've never seen a president leave office and have this much – support. And I think it's it's really unique in American history. Absolutely. It's extraordinary. And I worked with President Nixon during the last years of his life, and he was an unbelievably effective former president. But we've never seen anything like Donald Trump. And I agree with you. I think he's coming back. Well, congratulations on Getter. Jason Miller, we wish you continued success as you grow it. And thank you so much for joining me. Thank you once again. You got it. Okay, on this last show before Memorial Day weekend, and by the way, guys, I've got a very special Memorial Day show uh, teed up for you on Monday. Very special, very impactful, very meaningful. It's a must-listen on Monday, Memorial Day. Okay, so I hope you enjoy your weekend, but please tune in on Monday for our Memorial Day special podcast. All right, don't forget to send me an email to Monica Crowley Podcasts at gmail.com, Monica Crowley Podcast at gmail.com. And I've got a couple of emails here from you guys. You are amazing. Keep those emails coming. I read all of them all of them. So Mike in Bogota, New Jersey writes, hello, Monica, came to check out your podcast after hearing you fill in for O'Reilly this week. It's great. By the way, I did, in addition to these podcasts this week, I hosted for Bill O'Reilly on his show, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So Mike is referring to that. And thank you, Mike. He continues, I also share in your belief that Hillary is one of the most corrupt and dishonest people to ever hold office. My question for you is, I hear that the Clinton campaign wiretapped Trump's residence as well as the White House. If so, who held the door for the wiretappers? Was it Obama himself? One might think that Obama knew what was going on in his White House. Why isn't anyone talking about this? Thanks and looking forward to more podcasts. Well, thank you so much, Mike. That's a very good question. Of course, Barack Obama knew what was going on. He approved the widening of the FBI probe. He also approved the framing of General Flynn. Remember that? So let's not kid ourselves here. Like most presidents, Obama was a control freak. Nothing was done under his presidency that he didn't know about or approve. Of course, he's up to his eyeballs in this, as is his vice president, Joe. Biden was the one who suggested using the Logan Act against General Flynn. Everybody forgets about that. Biden and Obama completely up to their hips in the Russia hoax and the smearing of Donald Trump. So while we're all focused on Hillary, who is also a singular evil and nightmare, Barack and Joe were just as deep in this. And look, none of these lower-level people like Michael Sussman on trial now, none of them were freelancing this. They were all acting on orders from higher-ups, much higher-ups. 
and they all knew what Hillary had cooked up, and they all approved it, and they all kept it going, and they're all guilty. The reason no one is talking about it, Mike, is because they're all protecting each other, and the press is protecting them. Again, this is how deep the swamp is. My question is, which, if any, of these corrupt swamp dwellers will ever see justice? My guess, none of them. I hope I'm wrong. Thank you very much, Mike. Rich in Waterbury, Connecticut, heard my monologue on Hillary and the Russia hoax both here on this podcast and on Bill O'Reilly's show, which again I hosted this week. And he writes, Monica's memo nailed it. The most complete and succinct explanation of the Russia hoax I've ever heard. It was Hillary all the way. Impeaching Biden sounds attractive, but what happens if we convict? The only person scarier than Biden is Harris. <laughs> Thanks, Monica, for tying the progressive agenda to the new world order. I've been prodding Bill to put a bow around that for years. Great to have you aboard. We love Bill O'Reilly, and now we love you just as much. Well, thank you so much, Rich. That is greatly appreciated, and I hope you're now enjoying this podcast as much as you're enjoying O'Reilly's. Welcome aboard to you, Rich. Keep those emails coming, Monica Crowley Podcast at gmail.com. Also follow me on social media on Twitter and Truth Social at Monica Crowley. And of course on Instagram at Monica Crowley underscore. Well, have a beautiful Memorial Day weekend. I hope the weather is going to be great for you. Take a moment to please remember our fallen American heroes because that's what this weekend is truly all about. And tune in on Monday for a fantastic and very, very important conversation on Memorial Day about our military veterans and a salute to our military heroes. You're not going to want to miss this, I promise you. All right, enjoy this special weekend, and I will see you right back here on Monday. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC.